Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show, Polygamy, What Love Is This? I'm your host, Doris Hansen, and we are here to help you compare biblical Christianity with the Mormonism that Joseph Smith introduced into our culture. Last time, we ended part two of an interview with Vicki Anderson as she talked about the sexual abuse and incest against her from the time she was an infant. This abuse was perpetrated by her priesthood holder, LDS father, who was also a police officer. This is the third show and is the final part of a three-part series with Vicki. And again, if you're watching and you or someone that you know is being abused, call someone get some help, no matter how authoritative they seem to be to you, no matter how much they threaten you or lord it over you, abuse does not come from God and it is illegal. And if you need help finding help, give us a call. We can point you to safe people. And if you're in a polygamy group, we can help you get away from your polygamy group as well. Our telephone number is 385 2402888 be sure and leave a clear callback information if someone doesn't answer the phone of course you can always contact us by email at tv at aboutpolygamy.com so we want to introduce and welcome Vicki back thank you Vicki for coming again Yes, and for sharing the rest of your story. This is going to be uh, part three, and we're going to bring you up to some very exciting information that's going on in your life right now. So um, we ended last time talking about um, your mother remarried and living in the home with your stepfather, and and even that turned out to be, although it wasn't sexual abusive, it was certainly uh, emotional and mental abuse, if not religious abuse, too, again. Yes. And so now we come to, uh, you've moved out of your home, you're going to college, and you meet a man, and you're going to get married. Okay. Yes. And again, like I said, when you, when, when you had a stepfather in the home, I was hoping, don't tell me this is going to be abusive too. So I don't want to get ahead of your story. You're 18 years old. Tell us about your fiance, yes. how you met him, and what was he like? Well, as soon as I graduated from high school, I came up to Brigham Young University in Provo, and we attended the same student ward. And so I met him there. He was a returned missionary and active in the church. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so you were drawn to each other, and you you dated, you know, and, and were, were For a few good weeks. friends. And, <laughs> and he was a returned missionary. Yes. And wanted to get married in the temple. Yes. Okay. Yes, he did. Um did he know the the history of your sexual abuse with your father and how did he find out after we were engaged i shared that with him because it wasn't something i shared with people yeah so um i did tell him and he got very upset that i wasn't a virgin and that uh, he doubted my ability to get a temple recommend and he could only be married in the temple And so we made an appointment to go see our uh, bishop of our student ward. 
where the bishop uh, confirmed that I was worthy for a temple recommend and that what happened to me wouldn't be held against me and we could get married and move on with our life. In hindsight, I think he was looking for a way out, but when the bishop said she can get married in the temple, then we just moved forward with the wedding plans. So he didn't want to go get the way out, find another way out. He was willing to go. But then again, didn't that make you wonder if he was really into, his heart was really in it? Well, he he was somebody I felt comfortable with mm-hmm. and was willing to take me, mm-hmm. and I wasn't sure if there would be any others that would. Yeah, okay, I understand that. Okay, so knowing what you'd been through, did did he shower you with a lot of tender, loving care? Did he try to help you heal from what happened? Was he a, uh, a husband that was patient and considerate, wanting to move you out of this trauma that you've been through? How did he treat you? There were there were moments of tenderness and patience, uh, but there were also many more moments of impatience and shaming and blaming and throwing it back in my face and complaining mm. that I wasn't what he wanted. Mm. Like um, you're a victim, you're a survivor of sexual abuse, you're a survivor of incest, um, and like, did I know the pre-existence teaches that you choose uh, what home you're going to be born in, and so on. Did he think? I mean, did you think? How did that fit in with with how he's treating you? Like you chose to be abused. Well, I wasn't sure how that all worked. We in the pre-existence supposedly we chose the trials that that would custom make us for the celestial kingdom, and uh, sometimes maybe we even committed and made covenants with certain people that we would fulfill when we came to earth. So all of that was playing in the back of my mind as to, well, I can't remember what happened in the preexistence, but I don't want to blow it, whatever I covenanted to or promised to then. And maybe this was just part of Heavenly Father's plan for me. So how did he explain some ways, give us some illustrations of how he threw it back in your face? Uh, He would... um, one, one time in particular, I uh, had just come back from a very difficult episode of counseling, and uh, he was very upset and said that I was a lemon. If I were a car, I would be a lemon, oh. and that at least if I were a car, he could trade me in for a new one. Oh, my word. And that he was tired of suffering the consequences of another man's sin. So he turned himself into the victim that he had to put up with a broken, wounded, defective wife instead of the one he had always imagined having. Of course, that isn't at all the way that the Bible would would tell someone to treat someone who's been abused and wounded like you had been. Uh, you would think that there would have been some consideration and sympathy uh, to help you through your trauma. Did he show any special support to you at all? You were going to counseling, and and that was to help you deal with this? Yes. Was he supportive in that? Was he supportive in other ways? He, he was supportive in that uh, he would accompany me sometimes to those therapy sessions or the groups, support groups. He would, he would come along and be supportive that way, mm-hmm. um, but not so much so when we were home alone. Yeah, okay. Um, 
I want to ask a, a, some questions here that might be a little sensitive to some people who are watching the show, but I think it's important at this point, and it is how Mormonism teaches, uh, treats females. Now, this happens in polygamy as well as in the LDS Church. So I just want to, to uh, discuss this for a minute. In Mormonism, in, in, in the way you were raised with Mormonism, is it okay for a female to say no to her priesthood-holding father or husband? Well, not if you want to make it to the celestial kingdom. If exaltation is your goal, then you bow to priesthood authority. No matter what. No matter what. And we talked briefly about that in, in our last show. So can a wife or a daughter in, in your case, but can a wife say no to her husband? Well, whenever I would try that, he would quote the uh, scripture, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. And that was, my, he would stand over me with the scriptures open mm -hmm. and read that right out of the Bible. I am your husband. Mm -hmm. You will submit to me. Rape is, is defined as forcible sex. Is it okay for a man to rape his wife? No, not in my opinion. To it's force not. her to, in Mormonism, is it okay? Uh, I don't know if they would consider it rape because they, he's the priesthood holder. He has authority, so he can do he can rape, and it's not rape in that in that sense. But it's defined as forcible sex, whether right. married or not. Right. But then I want I want to talk about that. Wives submit to your husbands. I think this is very important, and this is so appropriate to what we're talking about and where we're at right now. So I'm going to quote the verses there in Ephesians chapter five, uh, verses twenty-one through twenty-four, where it says, "Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior." Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Then we go to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. It applies to you as a wife to, the, to your husband, and also this one as a child to an abusive father. Verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Verse 4, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, you said that your husband used this wife submit to your husband verse to you. And I have heard many stories like yours, whether it's in polygamy or Mormonism, or even some Christians have abused these verses because they don't go uh, directly to verse 22 says, wives submit to your husbands, but they forget about verse 21. Verse 21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is husband and wife. The whole point here is let there be peace in the home. Let there be peace in the marriage. Don't try to one-up each other. Right. And, and, and that's for the husband as well as for the wife. Yes. But, but I think what really concerns me is as to the Lord. That doesn't mean we bow down to our husbands as if he's God. How does the Lord treat his people? With patience, with love, with forgiveness, with uh, tender, loving care, with understanding. In fact, in First Peter, it says wives are supposed to understand their, or husbands are supposed to understand their wives and treat them accordingly. And so when it says husbands submit, or wives submit to your husbands, 
they leave out all of these important parts. There, and you know, we could go hours on these verses yes. and just rip it apart word by word so that they would get the full meaning of what this means. But it, it does not mean submit no matter what. It's as to the Lord. And we submit to a kind, forgiving, loving, unconditional loving Lord. And that's the way our husbands are supposed to treat us. Now let's go to the Ephesians chapter 6, where in verse 1 it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Now, would God ask you to be submit to incest? No, no. I, d- I know that now, but, you but didn't I didn't then. know that but then. But they use it so wrong. See how yes. they, they, they take it and they misapply it. And you can see how they do. And then in verse 4, fathers tells the fathers, don't exasperate your children. Be nice to them. You I know? never heard that part. <laughs> they don't. They don't use that. And that's the sad part because they'll use these verses. They'll take them out of context. And there are so women, the many women in our culture who are held hostage because they use these verses in error. And then the women in Mormonism and the polygamy groups don't read the Bible or they don't trust it. And so right. therefore they don't know that it's being done wrong. So you, uh, you attempted suicide twice. Briefly yes. tell us about that. Yes. I was in my 20s. I had young children. I didn't see how my life would ever get any better because I'd gone from my father to my stepfather to my husband and still felt no value. And now I was raising sons mm-hmm. and uh, didn't feel like I was being a good mother. I was told I wasn't a good mother. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought that I would be doing them a favor if I took myself out of the equation because again because I'm really good at cherry-picking scriptures there's the scripture greater love hath no man than this than he laid down his life for his friends thought well if I laid down my life then I could make a blood atonement for the sins that had been perpetrated Um, it would free up my husband to marry somebody who was better than me Mm. and who would be a better mother for my children and my mother wouldn't have to look at me and feel guilty anymore. And so everybody's life would improve, including mine, if I took myself out of the picture. Mm, my goodness. And again, we we have to bring in Mormon doctrine into this, and that's the temple ceremony. How did it play? What part did it play in your decision to cut? You, because you cut yourself too, as well as attempted yes. suicide. After I went through the temple for the first time and saw the penalties that that they acted out for breaking oaths and covenants, and one of those um, is chastity, the law of chastity. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I broke that one before I even made it. So uh, I really have to atone. And I felt compelled after attending the temple ceremony to go home and mimic the cuts of the Savior when he was crucified. Mm -hmm. And so temple attendance or a therapy session about the abuse would trigger cutting episodes. Wow. Wow. Are you glad now that you didn't succeed? (laughs) I am now. (laughs) You are now. Um, in the process of going through your divorce, you needed some friends, and yet they weren't there. They were either too busy or they didn't want to be involved with you. How, how hard was that for you to, to work through? It was very challenging, especially after we decided to get a divorce, because divorce is just uh, not an easy thing to live with in the LDS church. Mm-hmm. And so many of my friends pulled away and my family pulled away Mm -hmm. during that time. 
And um, uh, in fact, your mother and your sister, your relationship with them right now is is not really that great. It's is it? non-existent. Non-existent. Yeah. And your father, what happened to him? He passed away about 16 years ago. So you don't have to face that and deal no. with that anymore? No, yeah. I don't. Okay. In the eternal family, we've talked about that last time, how important that that false doctrine is when it comes to child abuse, sexual abuse like you endured. Um, it would be your fault if, you know, you, the, keeping the eternal family together was your responsibility, and so you had to submit to that. In marriage and in situations like yours in the Mormon religion, polygamy as well, more is, is the marriage and the eternal family more important than the physical and the emotional health of the child? I felt it was. That's the way it was portrayed to me and I had already blown it with my first family because my parents divorced, they got a temple divorce, I blew that one. So I was trying really hard to make sure that my marriage was going to be the eternal family I would be sealed to. And it didn't work and it out didn't work either. either. A, lot of, a lot of disappointments along yes. the way. Yes. But we come to the good part here, the saving the best for last. It was away from Mormonism when you encountered an LDS woman who knew more about uh, the history of the church than you'd ever heard of before, and she shared some of that with you. Tell us what happened. So I spent a morning with a friend that I hadn't seen for quite a while, and uh, she slowly started telling me some of the things that she had discovered about where the temple ceremony came from, where um, uh, the history of the church that mm -hmm. I was unaware of. And within a matter of hours, my whole world just imploded. Oh, yes. Because the one thing I held on to, it's like, well, I lost my first eternal family. I lost my second eternal family. I survived the abuse. I survived the divorce. And I did it all because I was strongly anchored in my belief in God and Mormonism. Mm -hmm. And so when that last thread broke, I was devastated because mm -hmm. I didn't know how I would survive without the church. So did you wonder, now what? What, what will I do now? Are you lost? Did you totally. have a plan? Did no, you, no plan. <laughs> I was totally lost. So that was Saturday. Um, the next morning, Sunday morning, when I stepped out of the shower, it's like, okay, what am I going to do now? Am I going to just move forward and start over or do I hold on to what I knew to be true and at that moment I just let everything go and I didn't put my garments back on and I have been anxiously engaged in learning about Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so you took off your garments and you never put them back on? No. Never put them back no. on. Okay, so um, did you did you understand at that point? Did you understand um, that taking them off alienated you from the LDS church? Was that your point to do that? Did you have at that point a plan to learn more about Jesus and the truth of the Bible? I was fortunate enough to have some good Christian friends that I had known for years, and uh, I reached out and called one of my friends okay. and said. Um, I think you have information that I need. Can we talk? And 
God has been opening doors and putting good Christian women in my life and men who have been helping me discover who Jesus really is. I think the beauty of all this, and, and we, can, we can talk more about, about your journey in a minute, but uh, the beauty when you come to the knowledge of the truth of biblical um, Christianity and Jesus and what, everything that he is and has done for us is that he takes us as we are, just as we are. We don't have to take a bath before we shower, right? Mm -hmm. To get clean. Jesus takes us just as we are and cleans us with his blood. And then he, he puts us on the road he wants us to go on. He just turns us into that direction and, and that's the way we go. But all of your past is absolutely gone in his sight as far as you being responsible for anything. It's gone. How does that make you feel? I feel Relief is such a small word for what I feel. I feel a sense of freedom, um, the checklist of things I have to do to, be, to gain his approval is gone, uh, and the knowledge that he is, resides with me, that I'm not offending him and he's not running away from me, uh -huh. has been life-changing. Can you look back at your life now and, and detect times that he was there even then, that he hadn't abandoned you then, but he was still there yes. and in certain respects was protecting you? Yes, yes. I, I see that in hindsight. I can look back and say, oh, this is a God thing. This is a God thing. The fact that I never got pregnant was a God thing. I know he was, he was there. I didn't know he was there and I didn't recognize him because I right. didn't know what he was truly like. Yeah, and I can look back and say the same thing about life. But I never would have known or even believed it at the time that God was there and that He, in, in his, his strange ways that He does things, was protecting me for the time that I would turn to Him. Yes. And He does that. He's so patient. Um, like many people who discover the truth that, that Mormonism is actually a fraud, and polygamy is based on the Mormonism that Jesus or that Joseph Smith introduced, and so they leave the polygamy home or they leave the LDS Church, and they lose a lot of friendships. They lose a lot of family. Sometimes they go through a lot of turmoil, a lot of shunning, a lot of hurt and pain. But eventually, it's replaced with one particularly special relationship, but also many. Have you discovered and have you found your your home, so to speak? with that with these new friends I have I I'm not I'm not the same person I was six months ago not the same person I was three weeks ago it's it, I continually evolve as I learn more about who he is and who I am in Christ yes absolutely who we are in Christ someone told me after um, it was a few months or a year or so after I became a Christian where he said, God looks at you at who you are going to be, not who you have been. Wow, that was healing for me. That was so much healing for me. So now you're on an unquenchable quest for truth. You just want to, to get into it all that you can. Uh, what did you start doing? Who, who, what books? What people? Who, okay. who did you meet? Yeah. So I went first to my Christian friend, and uh, she handed me uh, Lynn Wilder's book, Unveiling Grace, mm. and that was my awesome first book. first book. And I read that in two days, and uh, then I got uh, Starting at the Finish Line, 
and mm -hmm. I met Sandra Tanner and used the resources on her webpage and Sean McCraney's A to Z mm -hmm. uh, comparison book. And anytime I can get my hands on anything, I grab it. Um, I've bought me two new Bibles and I've been doing Bible study with friends. And anytime I have a question, I know who to go to and I know mm -hmm. I can trust the answer. The biggest thing for me is learning I could trust the Bible. I didn't spend yes. a lot of time in the Bible mm -hmm. because we figured it wasn't translated correctly. Why sure. waste our time and exactly risk being right. deceived? Yes. And now that I know I can trust it, um, I can't get enough. It's a place to be, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Now, why did you want to share your story? There, there's a reason behind your willingness to come and come public with this. I do not want girls or women to stay in these abusive situations because they think that is what God wants or expects. I want them to know that God did not create them to be abused and they do not have to stay and God will show them the way out if they will just get up and go to God. And not be afraid of the threats that are made against them, because like you, right. every child that is suffering through abuse, sexual abuse or incest, or even just physical abuse, it's illegal, and they don't have to take it. They don't have right. to. They can go tell someone. They don't realize it, Yeah. but that but they can. And they the, can leave. The, the reason the threats are there is because their abuser is afraid they'll talk. Yes. Yes. Because he'll be the one to get in trouble, not yes. them. Should be anyway, that's the way it is. So, what is the very most, if you could pick one, exciting part of the biblical journey? The most exciting part is walking every day and every moment with Christ. Knowing that He's there, knowing that he, He's true. Did the truth set you free? It did. He says in John 8, the truth will set you free. Yes. It has the guilt and the shame and the secrecy is gone. And you know what is so sad about um, Mormonism, including the polygamy, is that they use the guilt and the shame and um, the, the dependency, especially for females, to hold them captive. Yes. into their religion, into their group. And then, of course, they always applied God to it. Yes. God this and God that. And that was one of the things that set me free when I started reading the Bible is they said God wanted polygamy. They said God wanted women to do this. And just like the submit to, you know, wives submit to your husband, they don't get the whole thing in there. Right. And so that we know the entire truth. Right. So it's, it's awesome. Are you learning to hear God's voice? I am. I am. The more I spend in the Word, the more I spend learning about who He is and talking with people who know who He is, mm -hmm. the more I recognize Him. Well, Vicki, we're out of time. This is our third show, and we want to thank you, Vicki, for coming and sharing with us. God bless you. You know, we come to the close of the series of her story and her experiences as a daughter in the Mormon priesthood holder's home, holding, uh, being told she must submit because she's a female, because God the Father did the same thing to Mary, and if she didn't submit, then she would be, uh, he would be mad at her. False doctrine produces evil behavior. God doesn't lie, and this isn't from God. 
people do lie and they lie in God's name. And like we've said, we urge you, if you need help, uh, go find the help that you need if you're being abused. Seek biblical truths where Jesus sets you free from religion because Jesus is the only way to heaven. You need no one or nothing else. See you next time on Polygamy, What Love Is This? This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again. Mm -hmm.